Hallelujah. Stand with me today. We are honored to bring our guest to this pulpit to preach to us today. Brother Rima Duncan hails from New York City, New York, a little small area in the Northeast. And uh, of course, he has been in the Chicagoland area now for about five years. There is a Sister Duncan and there is a Judah Duncan, two months old. And they were not able to be with us. Of course, we understand his travel schedule has been very, very demanding. And with their uh, new addition to the Duncan family, uh, they were unable to be with us. We understand that completely. Uh, Brother Duncan has come from uh, Illinois, southern Illinois. Uh, been there in a conference the last few days. Finished up yesterday morning and drove in. We were able to spend a little time together uh, yesterday even just appreciate his spirit so very much. He is very gifted uh, as you are going to find out today. Of course, he is trying to protect his voice this morning. And uh, so he said, I'm going to take it easy on the singing. But he is a, an incredibly gifted singer and songwriter, musician. And uh, he will be ministering to us tonight if uh, if you respond and you help him preach today, that's going to help him uh, protect his voice to be able to do a little more singing tonight. So you're going to want to be here at 6 o'clock this evening because it's going to be quite a treat as he ministers uh, this evening. But he's coming to minister today in the word of the Lord, and he may sing whatever he has for us. We just want him to allow the Lord to have his way this morning. Christian Life Church loves preaching, loves singing, loves worship. And so here we are today just expecting great things from the Lord. And so we are honored to have Brother Duncan with us. He serves on the Illinois uh, Youth Committee. He is traveling the world over as an evangelist and is just doing a great work. He has served um, for a period of time in a new church plant in the Chicagoland area as well. So he has much experience behind him. He is an Indiana Bible College graduate, and we don't hold that against him at all around here. Uh, we have a lot of IBCers and IBC fans around here, of course. Uh, the elderly group, uh, ABI dominated. And then TBC came in, and now IBC is taking over. So uh, we're glad to have an Indiana Bible College graduate. Uh, with us this morning. I want you to make Brother Duncan real welcome. Would you put your hands together and welcome our evangelist, Brother Rima Duncan. Come and preach your heart to us today, sir. We love and appreciate you. Take your Come on, let's continue to clap our hands unto the Lord this morning. Come on, church, you can do better than that. Let's lift up our voices, clap our hands unto God, and make some noise in this house this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor, for that wonderful introduction. I promise your check is in the mail. And, uh, thank you all for being in the house of the Lord this morning. So delightful to be here. Um, all the uh, friends and uh, former Bible college buddies that I see around here, I feel like I'm in good company. Praise God. And just by your response in worship, I, I'm excited to see what God is going to do in the remainder of this service. Somebody say amen. amen. Do bring a greetings from my wife. She sends her regards to this church and 
and uh, she wants me to let you know, you know, be sure to send me back very quickly. Uh, she sent me a whole bunch of pictures of our little baby boy going to church this morning and uh, just just kind of does something right here, you know, in the little mushy part of your heart, you know. And uh, I'm definitely um, homesick, but I feel at home right here. And I feel like the Lord wants to do something very uh, special in this house this morning. If you would uh, turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Luke. Book of Luke chapter 17. I'm going to read from verse 26. If you would indulge me to stand with me as we read the Bible, go into the word of the Lord. If you have it, say amen. That's not everybody. Come on. If somebody did not say amen, just kind of slap them upside their head and say it's on the screen. Let's all read it together. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. And verse 32 says, remember Lot's wife. Praise God. I want you to put your Bibles down or the device of choice that you're reading the word of the Lord from and just lift your hands. Let's ask God to open our hearts and our minds and bless the remainder of this service. Thank you, Lord God, for the spirit of worship that has been ushered into this place. We now, Lord God, want you to have your way. Let flesh be slain. Let your spirit take control. Lord God, let your angels be loosed in this place to minister, heal, and deliver, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that our hearts and our minds will be open to receive and respond to your word today, Lord God. We want you to do what only you can do, Lord God. Lord Jesus, let the gifts of the Spirit be in operation, Lord God. We want to leave here impacted. Oh, God, by the power of your spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus, don't hold back, Lord God. We take the limits off of our faith right now. We take the limits off of our expectation right now. We want you to do what only you can do, Lord God. Move by the power of your spirit. Everybody say in Jesus' name. One more time, clap your hands up to the Lord as you're seated. was a very powerful statement that was made by our Lord Jesus when he said, remember Lot's wife. His words in this scripture, they paint a picture of the time of his coming. And within the tapestry of his tale, Jesus weaves in a sobering thought that we cannot ignore. Remember Lot's wife. Now in case you are not familiar with Lot 
or his wife, allow me for a moment to brief you of the event to which our Lord is referring. Lot was the nephew of a man called Abraham. Abraham was the father of the faithful, friend of God. But Lot found himself at a point where he needed to go his own way. And the way that he chose was the way of the city called Sodom. Now Sodom was a vile and very corrupt city, full of abominations, full of sin and all types of debauchery that one can imagine. But Lot saw much opportunity to gain riches there, so he and his family went. To make a long story short, God was tired of the sin that was in this area and decided to destroy the city. But before he did, Lot received fair warning so that he and his family could be saved. The only stipulation that was that none of them could look back. And as they were fleeing the city, the Bible tells us that Lot's wife couldn't help herself, and she turned around, looked back, and was turned into a pillar of salt. This simple but defiant act of looking back caused the judgment of God upon the sin of Sodom to include Lot's wife. Therefore, when Jesus makes the statement, remember Lot's wife, he is telling the reader, in memory of what happened to Lot's wife, take caution on how you conduct yourselves in the times to come. Uh, it's a very simple thought this morning, but in whatever you do from this day forward, do it in memory of. One of the most uh, gallant stands of courage and undying self-sacrifice that has been passed down through the pages of our American history is the defense of the Alamo. It was besieged by the army of Santa Ana and a man by the name of William Travis and a band of about 180 men refused to surrender at the Alamo. They chose to fight and die for the land that they laid claim to. And the fact that these men were up against forces that were 10 times their size was known to other people, but no other battalion came to their aid. Needless to say, death was certain. Their request for assistance had gone unheeded and no relief was in store. And as the battle of the Alamo was in progress, what was known at the time as the Texas Army had assembled in a city called Gonzales under the command of, of a man named Mosley Baker. And from this band, another 30 men joined those at the, at the Alamo. Realizing that no other help could be expected from the outside and that the armies of Santa Ana would soon take the Alamo, Colonel Travis addressed his men and told them that they were fated to die for the cause of liberty and for the freedom of that land of Texas. Their only choice was in which way they would make this sacrifice. He outlined three choices to them. First, we can rush the enemy and kill a few but end up being slaughtered in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Or second, we can surrender, which would also eventually result in our massacre. Or third, we can remain here and stay at the Alamo and defend it till the last man had fallen. The third choice was the one that was taken by the men. 
and they faced their fate bravely. It was truly a sacrifice that they had made for the cause of liberty. And as time passed after this slaughter at the Alamo and the Texas Army had finally pursued Santa Ana, a heart-stirring battle cry was made by a man named Sam Houston that empowered the soldiers to defeat this enemy. It was the battle cry of remember the Alamo. This was the motivating factor when the Texas Army finally defeated the forces of Santa Ana. Now I asked a question today, as Sam Houston did on the day of his victory, will your next action, will your next decision, will your next life choice be in memory of those that have made incredible sacrifices before us? Paul began to tell the Corinthian people, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, he said, I have received of the Lord that which I have also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also took the cup when he had supped, saying, This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Now, the significance of this scripture is in the fact that Jesus Christ has paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. But beforehand, he wanted his disciples to be prepared to remember what they would see next. And the prophet Isaiah foretold of these events when he declared he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb before the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth. Now imagine if you were one of those that walked with Jesus. How tough would it have been for you to stand there and see your Savior suffer? To see him stand by there and be humiliated in front of hundreds, possibly thousands of people. To see him slapped and punched in the face with no means of defense. To see him spat upon, kicked, and then tortured. Beaten by Roman soldiers with rods and whipped 
with an instrument of torture called the cat of nine tails. Now, many of you, we just went through the Easter season, and you may have seen the passion of the Christ, and you may have, you know, did your Jesus video and saw all those things that they've done to him. You may have seen them whip him with this instrument. It is an instrument of torture that is made up of uh, nine strands. And on the tips of these strands would be metal and pieces of bone. So that when you would strike the subject, it would rip into their skin and their flesh and let blood gush out everywhere. Very grotesque imagery. But this is what our Lord went through. And now, after his back is as the texture of gelatin, he is forced to carry a cross to his death. Easily over 10 feet of solid wood carried up a hill to the place of skulls, Golgotha. I'm reminded today that old hymn that says, Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget your love for me. Lead me to Calvary, down at the cross where my Savior died, down where for cleansing of sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied, and I sing glory to his name. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. In memory of Christ, we partake in his body through communion. And in memory of Christ, we partake in his blood. I charge you this morning, Christian Life Church, remember the cross. Remember the massacre. Remember the cause for which Jesus died. We must remember the cross. And in memory of that cross, living for God seems so much more appealing. In memory of the cross, to live a pure and holy life is so much more easier to do. When I recall how my Savior died, it's not too hard for me to love my enemies. In memory of the cross, it's not a big deal for me to change the way I dress, the way I present myself as a living sacrifice unto the Lord. In memory of the cross. In memory of that cross, I can recall that the crown that was given to our king was made of two to three inch thorns. So the least I can do is invite a neighbor to church. The least I can do is try to teach a Bible study. The least I can do is be a witness for the Lord. Can I get an amen? In memory of the cross, my aim is to please my friends less and to please my God more with how I live on a day-to-day -day basis. Therefore, whatever I do in word or in deed, I will do it in memory of the cross. When I'm reminded of his cross, I no longer conduct myself as if I am my own and as if my own soul was purchased by my own blood. But I remember that his blood was precious blood that was shed for my sins, for my soul, and for my future. 
So the next time your mountain seems too hard to climb, remember the cross. The next time your life takes a bad turn, remember the cross. The next time you feel like giving up and throwing in the towel, remember the cross. The next time temptation presents itself, remember the cross. Remember the cross. Remember. In memory of the fact that his body was broken and in memory of the fact that his blood was shed for me, I can't help but get motivated. Does it make me sad? Does it make me mad? But it makes me glad when I remember the cross. Here's why. Because when I remember the cross, yes, I remember how he was tortured and how he died. But when I remember the cross, I'll also remember that he came down from the cross and was buried. And when I remember the cross, I remember not just that he died and was buried, but I remember on the third day he rose again with all power in his hand. So when I remember that, I'll be reminded that my life and my situation won't stay the way it is. I'm not going to stay in a state of suffering and a state of torture. But as Jesus rose from the grave with all power in his hands, so will we rise from the ashes of ruin, from the ashes of past. Oh, hallelujah. We're going to rise from our mistakes. We're going to rise from all loneliness and depression. When I remember the cross, I'm being reminded that Jesus still has the power to save, to heal, to deliver, to break through, to set free, to make whole, to mend the broken. He still has the power to open blinded eyes, to unstop deaf ears. To heal cancer, to heal diabetes. To, oh. I'm reminded of the cross and I'm reminded that God is still good whether I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what your family may be facing right now. I don't know what's going on in your marriage right now. But somebody needs to remember the cross. I remember the cross I can't help but to gather strength to resist the devil it's, it's harder for me to make mistakes when I'm reminded of his cross it's harder for me to keep bad company when I'm reminded of the cross it's, it's harder for me to go back to the things that God saved me from when I remember the cross, when I remember how he delivered me from alcohol and delivered me from addiction to nicotine and uh, addiction to all type of immoral things, I, I remember that I, I don't have to be subject to those things anymore. I don't have to fall susceptible to my temptations anymore because if God can rise from his grave, I can rise from my grave and my past and never go back again. I get happy when I'm reminded of the cross. That's why we sing songs like when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, 
how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. You see, sometimes uh, the people of God just got to take a little step back in memory lane and see uh, what the Lord has done for you. Oh, how many people here has ever uh, been taken out by a bad day? All of you to raise your hand, you're lying because you're still here. Every one of you have gone through bad days, right, my brother? You had some bad days. But your success rate of getting through bad days is 100% because you're still on this side of earth. You have never been taken out by your bad day. You have never gone in the grave by your bad day. And if God brought you through your bad day then, he can bring you through a bad day now. Somebody got to get this word right now. You don't have to worry about how you're going to get through. You don't got to worry about how God is going to do it, how he's going to put it together, how he's going to fix this situation. If you're still alive, you still got breath in your body, and you... Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he healed you before, he can heal you again. If he delivered you before, he can deliver you again. If he saved you before, he can save you again. Just remember the cross. God began to speak to Moses. In the book of Numbers, the Bible says that he had to tell Moses to do some very specific things. He wanted Moses to tell the people to make fringes on the borders of their garments. Numbers chapter 15. And in verse 38, he said, Make fringes on the borders of your garments so that it be through your generations. And on the borders put a ribbon of blue. And it shall be to you for a fringe. Everybody say fringe. And when you look upon it, you will remember all the commandments of the Lord. Not just remember them, but do them. And that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which ye used to go a-whoring. Now, I want you to put that scripture up on the, on the screen. So you, this is not the Rima Duncan version. This is what God views doing your own thing as. Numbers 15, verse 39. He says, it shall be to you for a fringe that you may look upon it, everybody say, and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that you seek not after your own heart or what you think is right or what you want to do. You ain't going to listen to nobody. You're going to do what you think. God said that type of attitude and that type of thinking is equal to the last word in that verse. It's not me. I don't write this stuff. I just preach it. Verse 40 said, that ye may remember 
and do all, everybody say all, all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Now at the fringe, everybody say the fringe. At the fringe, God wanted his people to set a reminder for themselves that when they'd see it, it would be a memorial for them. At the edges of their garments would be a ribbon of blue. And many times in scripture, that color blue represented type of royalty, sovereignty. And so when they would see this fringe, this ribbon on the edges of their garments, they would be reminded of the sovereignty of God. That God is still the king of kings. God is still the Lord of lords. He's not taking a day off. He's not on vacation. He's not taking a nap. And he's, he doesn't have his back turned towards you. Never has God left anyone without a memorial. He has never left any human being without a last chance. There is always a memorial even when you're on the fringe. Even when circumstances push you to your edge, before you fall and before you fail, there will be a memorial. There will be a reminder of the goodness of God. There will be a reminder of the testimony of his power working in your life. God wants his people to know that he has not, not forgotten about what's going on in your household. He has not forgotten about what's going on in your finances. He is not just sitting back watching you suffer and enjoying the show. God wants you to trust him. And guess what? This is not the first trial that you've been through. And if you got through your former trials, what makes you think God is going to let this one take you out? I don't think you're hearing me right now. Because we get into some trials and some situations and we, we begin to panic. Then God comes in, does a miracle, sets us loose and sets us free, and we rejoice. And then another situation, life happens. Another situation comes and then we do the same thing. We panic. We blame God. We blame the pastor. We blame everybody else. We even blame the devil, and he's not even responsible. All you've got to do is begin to think about. Just begin to recollect a little bit. Just begin to remember what God did for you in the past. You might say, well, preacher, I, I, I've never been on drugs before. I've never really done anything immoral in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm basically a good person. You know, when people have to say they're basically a good person, you're not a good person, basically. You figure, well, I haven't done such and such and such, 
But do you remember when that tragedy hit your family? And you felt like taking out your life? You felt like throwing in the towel? You felt like overdosing on prescription drugs? And you felt like just ending it all. But God came in and his love just said in your heart. And you retracted on the decisions that you were going to make. Because God showed you that it's not over until he says it's over. What's the difference between then and now? There is no difference. God is still good. He still has the power to save. He still has the power to heal. And if your mind keeps tormenting you with thoughts, all you got to do is change those thoughts into memories of what God has done in your life. Come on, when I think about his goodness and what he's done for me, when I think about his goodness, how he saved me and set me free, it makes me want to doubt. It makes me want to pout. No, that's not what it does. It makes me want to come to church on a Sunday morning, get up out of my seat, begin to worship God, and it makes me want to shout in thanks. Behave yourself over there. It makes me want to lift up the name of Jesus because I remember that if he didn't leave me before, he's not going to leave me right now. Somebody shout hallelujah. God's not going to leave you by yourself. He's not going to leave you in your depression. He's not going to leave you in your loneliness. He's not going to leave you to suffer. But if he came through before, he's going to come through again. I just got to remember. I just got to remember. I just got to remember. Oh, this is not the first argument you had with your husband. This is not the first fight you had with your children. This is not the first time you felt tempted. But God came through before. And I, I promise you, if you just remember, it'll give you the strength to endure trials, to endure temptation. And he will come through again. Come on, remain standing. Why are you going to let this thing take you out when it couldn't take you out before? There's nothing new under the sun. Same old tricks of the devil. And you know what? Here's how he works. He doesn't care if you come to church as long as you come to church with the same attitude. As long as you come and sit on the pew and act like the pew you're sitting on. You sit there and you are no different than an inanimate object. Unresponsive to praise stimuli. You sit there. And if we're lucky, we'll get a little head nod out of you. I agree with that. If we're lucky, we'll get you to look, tap your feet a little bit with the praise team. That's not the attitude of victory. 
That's not the attitude of an overcomer. That's not the attitude of a more than conqueror. If God has the power, all power, what makes you think he's going to leave you powerless or comfortless? So even if I don't feel his power, even if I don't see the answer, even when the situation looks the same, I'm going to praise him anyway. I'm going to praise him in advance. I'm going to worship in advance because I know and I have faith in whom I believe and he is able to keep me from falling. He's able to deliver did this God bless your heart he's able somebody say God is not disabled he's not hand, his hand he doesn't bless like this now if there's any disabled people in here I am not making any reference to your condition I'm just trying to show you that there's nothing wrong with God there's something wrong with our perception of him. There's something wrong with our confidence in him. And when you don't have confidence in God, it directly affects your faith. Although you still come to the house of the Lord, you can't receive your miracle. And you can't receive what God has available for you in services like these because you're closed up. Your walls are up. You're in defense mode. And you're not just defending yourself from the devil. You're defending yourself from anybody. Anybody that even tries to encourage you, they don't understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah, they're just saying that because it's the thing to say. All you've got to do is get rid of that stinking thinking and begin to replace it with the memories. Replace it with the memories of how God saved your family. How when uh, alcohol was ripping your family apart, God came in and filled people with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and there's no more drunkenness uh, in the natural. But now there's drunkenness uh, in the spirit. You're not drunk as you used to be. But now you are drunk on the Holy Ghost. And it's making your family better. Than making your family bitter. You, you got to remember how God began to take addictions away from you. How God began to fix things that were unfixable. How God began to put relationships back together that were unmendable. And when God did the impossible, all you, had, all you did could do was just thank him and praise him and give him glory. Now what's different from then and right now? I wonder if you could lift your hands right now in the Holy Ghost. There is no difference in the power of God. And I believe there's some people in the house, you love the Lord. There's no question about that. You love the work of his kingdom. And you want to do anything you can to help further that. But you see, the devil, he likes to see you hindered. He wants to see you hindered. So here's what he'll do. 
You know, the devil doesn't always bring things to our lives. Sometimes life happens. When you are in church and you got the Holy Ghost and you're serving God, that does not omit you from situations coming into your life. Life happens. The only difference between those that don't have this truth and those that do is the way you respond to it. And here's the trick of the enemy. When the things happen in your life, he comes and begins to whisper in your ear. I can't believe she said that. I, be, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he's taking that side and not my side. I can't believe that, that all this happened and all this got taken away. And I can't, I can't believe. I can't. And the devil just began to spew his venom into your ears. Saying, God, God doesn't care. The church doesn't care. Nobody cares. You're all by yourself. And we begin to hear these things. And we respond to those negative thoughts. And here's how the devil stops a revival church. He allows your situations to keep you captive. It's funny, Pastor. People can get on a roll and get on a fire. Consistent in their prayer life. Faithful to God in their giving. Faithful to their attendance in the house of the Lord. Then all of a sudden, it's like inevitably there's something that's going to happen. Because everything is going too well. Something happens. And then it either disrupts your faithfulness to God. Your faithfulness to the house of God. Your faithfulness in giving to God. And because this situation has you captive, you're not the same person you used to be. And you find yourself in this holding mechanism. And I believe it's a spirit of divination. I believe that. When churches are doing well, devil don't like that. So he'll activate his operatives to try to hold the church down. And just like it tried to do in Paul and Silas's life, it tried to keep them back from doing the things of God. Now, here's how they did it. They didn't, it didn't align itself to him and, and begin to try to tear him down. It aligned itself to him and began to lift him up. Said, these are the men that you know, it spoke truth, but it was of the wrong spirit. Mm. You have to watch the voices that align themselves to you. You have to watch who you call for advice, who you call and who you meet with to vent. You have to watch those things because there's a spirit of divination that wants to creep into the church. Now, that word divination, if you look at the root of what that word is, that text was written in the Greek, so the, 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 the definition or the etymology of that word derives from the Greek word pythos, which is similar to a python. It's a serpent spirit. It's a very subtle spirit. It's not abrasive. It's not in your face. It's very subtle. It'll align itself to you. And say all the right things. 
and even look the part, but it's of the wrong spirit. And we align ourselves to these things, and guess what it does? Slowly wraps itself around us. See, that's how a python kills its prey. It doesn't just go after it and uh, dash and bite you and uh, inject its venom. What it does, it slowly wraps itself around you and squeezes you until the life is squeezed out. You have no more strength to fight or resist. And then it destroys you. How many of our saints can we think of right now that have been taken out by the enemy because they allowed the life, the spirituality to be squeezed out of them because they let the wrong person get too close. They listen to the wrong voices. They align themselves with the wrong people and were influenced by the wrong things. See, that's the danger of not watching the voices that you let into your life. And it seems like it only comes when you're going through a trial. Isn't that what happened to Job? He was going through, and all of a sudden, here comes his friends. Maybe you did this and this. Oh, well, you did this. Maybe you're wrong. Oh, well. All these voices coming into his life. At the time, it's a vulnerable time because you're hurting. It's a vulnerable time because you're going through a situation and you do want advice. You do want somebody to care. You do want somebody to be able to share that with. But the devil aligns himself to you and you get blindsided by his wrong advice. But here's the remedy to that. You don't really need counseling. You don't really need uh, a, a person to talk to. Sometimes you may feel like that, but really what you need is just to remember. You got to switch those thoughts in your mind. Begin to remember the goodness of God. And those things will give you the strength to overcome what you are going through right now. Let's lift our hands in the house of the Lord right now. I wonder if there's anybody here that you would like the Lord to help you to bring back to remembrance the things that you might have forgotten about. The times where he came through, you might have forgot about it, but you need strength right now. You, you, you need to overcome right now, but it's hard for you to shake those feelings and shake those thoughts of negativity. God wants you to come right now. Begin to lift your hands so he can reach down into the recesses of your spirit and bring back to remembrance the testimonies of his goodness. The testimony of his grace. Come on, somebody, step out of your seat. If you need to grab your neighbor by the hand and bring them with you, come up to this altar with your hands lifted and your mouths open and begin to reach out unto the Lord. If he can do it before, 
he can do it again. The devil wants you to forget. The devil doesn't want you to think about the power of the Lord that has been at work in your life already. He wants you to be afraid. He wants to intimidate you and hold you by fear because of what's going on right now. But I call the devil a liar in the name of Jesus. And I lose God's people to be free in the Holy Ghost. To let their testimony help them to overcome. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb and through the word of that testimony. So as you're lifting your hands, just begin to cry out unto God and let him begin to restore your soul. this house and you're approaching, I want you to step forward a little bit. There's some more people that want to come up. I want you to make some room. Praise this There's some people in this place, you've been dealing with so much anxiety. You've been having pan panic attacks, insomnia, because of things that has gone through it, gone, you've gone through in your life, and you feel like, well, uh, I'm just going to cope with it. I'm just going to learn how to adjust to this lifestyle. You don't have to adjust to that lifestyle. You can be free from that. You can be delivered from that. And that's what the enemy wants to bring into your life because he sees the potential. He sees the contribution that you've made to the kingdom of God. And he wants to hold you hostage by what you're going through right now so that you won't continue to help anymore so that you'll get burnt out and you want to quit your ministry now. Right. You, you just want to take a seat back. I believe there's some people in this house that need strength from God, and this is not it. But some of you that are sitting in your seats right now, you need strength from the Lord. And you know, that's how I know who really needs it by those who stay in their seat. Right. So thank you for revealing that. Thank you for clearing that up for me. Because it's harder for you because it's, you, you're, you're being held tighter. It's been a long time. Python has been trying to wrap itself around your family. Trying to squeeze the love out of your marriage. Trying to hold you down and suppress you. Until you just, you're just frustrated. You don't want to come to work days anymore. You don't want to do the ministry that you, you felt called to anymore. The devil just tries to squeeze you. But I believe God has a release for somebody today. And if you lift your hands, if you're up here or in your seats, you can begin to lift your hands and call on the name of Jesus. I promise you, you're going to begin to feel the power of the Lord. And he's going to begin to send a release into your spirit by sending that memorial into your mind. He's going to bring back the memories of past victories and help you to overcome this battle you're going through right now. If you just begin to lift your voice, begin to lift your hands and call on the name of Jesus, you'll begin to feel that power. You'll begin to feel that release in the spirit. Come on, somebody, lift your hands and worship the Lord. Just bless him and praise him and magnify him. Hallelujah. 
Let those tears flow. Let that power begin to flow in your life. And let the Holy Ghost begin to raise you up out of the graves of your past. Yeah. 
you are here with your family, I want you to join up with your family. There's a family member here that you can join up with. If you're here by yourself, there's no family. Join up with a close friend. spirit of revival in this church that the devil is trying to suppress and he doesn't try to disturb it from here he tries to disturb it from your home and then you bring that luggage with you here and this is sometimes this is where we see it manifested but it didn't start here when that person said something to you or somebody may have done something that you didn't like, may have probably offended you. Your response and how, how you felt about it did not originate from here. It's because of whatever you've been going through at home. And it causes you to develop these thoughts and mindsets that cause you to react certain ways to when certain people say things. Other days, it wouldn't even even bothered you. But because there are certain things going on, it's irritating you now. You get annoyed a little bit easier. Your, your temper's a little bit shorter now. God wants to remedy that. But it's going to start in the families. God wants, God wants to take out the, the anger, that angry spirit that comes on us husbands. Cause us to be grumpy, old, mean people to our spouses, to our children. And there's just this air in the house that lingers. Just this rage, anger. He wants to take away that lion spirit from your children. He wants to take away the, the propensity to want to do immoral things. And it is all because of what the devil has tried to expose in our homes. It begins to affect us and we carry it everywhere we go. I promise you, you'll have a better day at work tomorrow if you get it right in your family today. You'll be able to have more liberty in worship the next time you come to service if you get it right in your family today. So with you, standing with your family, I want you to grab hands begin to raise it to heaven. I want to pray over the families of this church. Hallelujah. You're not by yourself. Sister, you're not alone in this fight. I think there's a sister here that has an unsaved husband. And you feel like you're fighting this fight by yourself. You're not by yourself. You wait on the Lord and keep being faithful and God's going to bring to pass every promise. He's going to fill that man with the gift of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, let's lift our voices right now. God, I thank you for your people that you love so much. I thank you, Lord God, for this church that loves you so much that they would sacrifice possessions, that would sacrifice time and energy to further your kingdom I pray right now that you send a spirit of encouragement and restoration to the homes 
of these families, Lord God. Every dark force that has crept into their homes, I come against it in the name of Jesus. And I bind it in the name of Jesus and I loose the peace of God that passes all understanding uh, to fall upon these families. Uh, I loose joy unspeakable. I loose the gift of the Spirit uh, to work in that home. I loose the discernment of spirits uh, to work in the parents uh, that they can lead their children uh, away from sinful things. Uh, in the name of Jesus, uh, begin to operate, Lord God, uh, in these families, Lord Jesus, uh, and let our homes uh, be a much more positive and cleaner environment that the Spirit can grow and raise up our children to be mighty warriors for the kingdom of God and not be susceptible to the, the sin that is trying to grip these families and cause them to bring evil attitudes and bring evil intentions into the family of God. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that all principalities and powers will loose their grips over the families of this church. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now that we will respond in a different way to the situations that arise in our lives and we will overcome through the blood of the Lamb and through the word of our testimony. I pray right now that it will loose these families to worship you on another level and praise you at another level. Hallelujah. And serve the man of God at another level and be faithful on another level. God, take these families into another level in the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I pray right now that you would help us to let go of grudges. Help us to let go of bitterness and unforgiveness right now. In the name of Jesus, send a sweeping spirit of love and joy through this place. In the name of Jesus, men broken relationships, Lord God. Oh God, I pray right now, Lord God, that you mend everything that was broken in Jesus' name and make it better than it was before.
song there is power in the name of Jesus everywhere we speak that name there's going to be power that shows up present so it can work in your favor wherever you want that power to be that's where you go and you begin to speak that name if you need the power of God to move in your family you got to begin to speak that name in your home care if your children lock the door, kick down that door and begin to speak the name of Jesus in that room. Not literally. Well, maybe. We got to get back to the days where we have devotion with our families again. Oh, it's too quiet. We got to get back to the days where we're praying with our family again. And that's where the foundation will be laid that nothing can come against your family because prayer will bring you into a unit that, can, that cannot be broken down. You can't just wait till you get here and then leave all the heavy lifting to pastor. Now, pastor didn't ask me to say all this, go do all this. I just feel in so Holy Ghost. Don't leave all the heavy lifting to the ministry here. Come on, let's help the ministry out and begin to minister in our own homes. And let the spirit begin to move in our own homes. And that when we get here, there's just going to be a liberty in this place. Nobody's going to be worried about anything. Everybody's thinking about, what is God going to do next? I want to be a part of that. And that's the mentality and attitude of a church that's going to the next level. And I believe that this is that church. But it's going to start. It's going to start at home. Clap your hands to the Lord and thank the Lord for the moving of his spirit. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Come on, you part of that army today? There's an army rising up. Yes, there he is. To break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Come on, are you part of it today? To break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain.